Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. this evening and that the Lord on the cusp of their returning back to school will just keep his hand upon their life and that that the Lord and that we as the church will place our hand over their heart and help protect the fire and the ember of flame that is burning in their heart today for him and for his cause. Friday night there is a back to school rally at the campground 730. Van will be leaving at 545 I really, really pray that it's your intention as parents to have your children a part of that meeting and uh, let them be encouraged by the word of the Lord and by other young people that are, that are right where they are in their life and they'll be encouraged and they'll be strengthened by that. Amen. Tonight we're going to pray over the word of the Lord and just ask God to touch us and touch our hearts to his word this evening. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm asking you tonight. God, your word is life and truth and it is hope. And, and I, I know tonight, Lord, that, that your word can accomplish its intended task. And I'm asking you tonight, God, to anoint my feeble lips of clay. And I truly mean that with my heart. And I pray that I could just be usable, a usable instrument in your hand this evening. I don't want to speak on my behalf tonight, God. I want to speak on your behalf. And I pray that the word of the Lord will touch our hearts in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Don't you just want to bottle this up? Amen. You have that bottle if you have the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. You have a relationship with the Lord. Praise God. You can be seated this evening if you want to join me in the book of James chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading at the... 21st verse here in just a few moments. This past Sunday morning, we for several weeks have been teaching uh, off and on through the book of James. And um, this past Sunday morning, I started a, a two part of a several part series, but two part of one lesson about faith. And Sunday morning, I talked to you about dead faith. And uh, tonight, I want to talk to you about living faith and uh, so as we conclude not only this subject tonight but we're also going to conclude the second chapter of the book of James and um, we are talking about faith in combination with works and uh, what what happens in the presence of works or what happens in the absence of works and uh, and so in this final section of chapter 2 Uh, James conclusively proves the impossibility of having faith without works. And uh, some of of the things that I will say this evening are are going to be things you have heard reiterated time and time again. But I have just asked the Lord sincerely to um, let our ears be just anointed fresh and let my mind and my heart and this word be anointed fresh in our lives this evening. And I trust that before um, we leave here tonight that we can leave with a fresh feeling about this thing called faith and our response uh, to faith in, this, in the presence of the Lord. And uh, I told my wife today, and I don't want to imply otherwise, but I told my wife today, I said, you know, I have just really enjoyed studying today. And uh, that may be to your detriment if we're still here about 11.30 tonight. But, uh, <laughs> but I have enjoyed 
the Lord has really just gotten some things in my heart, and I'm not going to punish you for that. But uh, I, I do want to ask the Lord to just help us to to get uh, something to take home with us this evening. I hope we all need a to-go box. Amen. Now, don't do like we normally do and leave it on the table. But uh, let's get it to go box and let's take it home this evening. We're going to begin looking into the life of Abraham. And uh, we're going to consider that in verses 21 through 24. I'll just begin with verse 21. The Bible says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? A question posed. Was not Abraham justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar. There's a, there's a tremendous debate among, um, among some people today, factions of Christianity, that uh, anyone who is attempting to live uh, any measure of holiness or separation or things of that nature, um, there is just a broad assumption that we are trying to be saved by works. Uh, now, as many times as I've been accused of that through the years, which are countless, I was thinking about this today. Not one time has anybody ever asked me, was that what I was really trying to do? They just accused me of doing that. And uh, no one ever asked me my approach. They just kind of railed out an accusation. But uh, there are some things that I believe will happen in our life as a result of our faith. And uh, I've said many times through the years, and will continue to say them if the Lord will give me breath, that I do not do what I do in order to be saved, but I am doing what I'm doing because I am saved. So James is now approaching, and we need to understand, and I can appreciate that <clears throat> I can appreciate the millions and millions of gallons that have flowed uh, under the bridge of the Swanee River between Sunday and, and tonight. And I understand that the tremendous task of keeping some continuity here, but I want us to understand uh, also. Uh, the, that James has an audience, and James knows exactly who he is speaking to. And um, much uh, like me this evening, I would it would be a, a kind of a given that I would certainly know my audience, and I know who I am speaking to, and that is where we find James. And so James poses a question, and this is not a question kind of just plucked out of the air or off the shelf. James knows exactly what he is doing, and he is trying to bring a point home in the minds of his reader. Because James understood that no Jewish reader would dispute the authority of Abraham's example. And so, if I could just say it this way, James just went straight for the jugular. <laughs> he knew no one's going to debate the faith of Abraham, the patriarch of this whole deal. And so he just goes straight to the top and he just grabs Abraham, pulls him up out of the crowd, and he says, we're going to set Abraham right here. We're going to talk about him just a few minutes. And so, so James is selling some things. And so he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works? And so he points out that, that Abraham, we know, uh, that know the story of Abraham in his obedience to the command of God. He demonstrated the validity of his faith. Abraham was not a man that just talked about this thing. But he put legs to this thing in the most incredible way. And so it illustrated that Abraham was in right standing with God. It also explains that Abraham's demonstration of his faith occurred at that moment that he offered up Isaac on the altar. It was right here on Mount Moriah, Genesis 22. It was right here on Mount Moriah that the whole world was going to perceive the reality of Abraham's faith. This is not a man just talking about it. Now I understand that Abraham has already done some incredible things. But this is the epitome. This is the very apex, the zenith of his walk with God. And so he establishes his measure of faith so that the whole world could see and understand. And this act proves single-handedly that Abraham's faith was not just talk, but that it was genuine. And I will say this. To every listening ear that's in this building or anybody that ever may hear this message, that at some point or another, more times than one, our faith is going to be tried. Now, I'm not talking about a longer line at McDonald's in the morning than we anticipated. Um, I'm not talking about a flat tire at the most inopportune time. 
But I'm talking about our faith, the very fabric of our faith, really, really being tested. And uh, so it proved that his faith was alive, not dead. And that, that's very important to understand because God, God's command for Abraham to sacrifice his son threatened many things, if I could use that word carefully, because it threatened God's very own promise that I'm going to bless the whole world through your seed, Isaac. So when the Lord said, I want you to offer him up, there's a lot of things on the line here. Abraham's not the only man on the line here. Does that make sense to you? Amen. It also contradicted God's prohibition of human sacrifices. All throughout the scripture we find that. However, Abraham trusted God implicitly, without question, without waver. Genesis 22 and 3 the Bible says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Now, I don't know how comfortable you'll be with this next statement, but you don't have to embrace this. But we have no idea what went through Abraham's mind at this point in time. No way of knowing. I think we should never lose sight of the fact that Abraham was an absolute and true man of God. I really believe that with all of my heart. I think his life speaks for itself. But I also think that we should not lose sight of the fact that he was as much a father as any father in this building would be. Or as much a parent as any parent in this building would be. And so we have no idea what may have gone through the mind of the man, Abraham. But we do know that he accomplished what God had told him to do. And then at the, at the foot of Mount Moriah, the Bible says that he clearly told those that were with him to stay here. These are interesting words. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and we will return again unto you. Now here's a man that is not delusional. He has absolutely confidence uh, he is absolutely confident in the word that God has told him and what he is telling these men and what God has told him to do are two conflicting messages but through faith. Amen. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes we're afraid to speak by faith because we're afraid that our faith is going to sound foolishness and I would submit to you tonight that there is at times a very thin line between faith and foolishness, but there is a line. Amen. And so he said, I'm going to go. And so regardless of what happened on Mount Moriah, with the faith of all faith, Abraham knew that he and Isaac were both going to come back and that Isaac would be alive. Now it's important to note that Abraham says this when there was no history on his side to support this. Now if there had been a long, long list, just volumes and volumes and volumes of history books on the library shelf where this had happened before and Abraham is just kind of referencing what happened to Joe last week or Bob last month and says, you know, just like he did, just like he did before, there is nothing for him to grab a hold of. This is raw faith. Amen. No history to support such a statement. I believe this is proof that this man's faith was rooted in the right thing. As a matter of fact, Hebrews records this in 11 and 19. Here's what Abraham's assessment of this. He said, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, Abraham said, if in fact God is going to call on me to offer my son as a sacrifice, then God, when the sacrifice is done, God is going to raise him up. And he and I both are going to come off of this mountain together. Now that's incredible faith, immeasurable faith. He knew his promise 
was not threatened by his obedience to God. He believed in the righteous character of God and he knew that God was not going to violate his divine covenant nor was God going to violate his holy standard. God was not going to take away and so Abraham was forced to step out on faith. In, in verse number 22, the scripture says, Seest thou how faith wrought his, with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. He said, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Another translation of that scripture says, You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. The word perfect in verse number 22 is translated from a Greek word which means to complete or to bring to full measure or to make perfect. And so the scripture reminds us that God is going to bring to completeness or to fullness. So when Abraham offered his son in obedience to God's command, it was a matter of his actions cooperating with what he believed. Amen. I believe today with all of my heart that the actions of many people, hopefully everybody in this building, but the actions of us today was in absolute harmony with what we believe. I'm not doing this because somebody's watching me. I'm not doing this because I'm in the car with somebody else, or I'm not. But I'm doing this because my actions are following what's really in my heart. I believe. I'm going to tell the truth because I believe the truth is the right thing to do. Amen. So I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie because I'm scared you're going to find out. What if you don't find out? Amen. So I want to walk in accordance to what's in my heart. And so when he, he did that, he, he walked in, in action with his belief. And so faith and actions work together. So to this end, works took faith from the realm of just some sort of mental ascent. <laughs> I believe, I believe, I believe. It would not take near as much faith for me to have one of the children get up here on top of this podium and jump off in my arms as it would to have some of you others climb up here and jump off into my arms. Take just a touch more faith for some of you than others. You'll be doing a lot of math in your head. You're going to be doing a lot of calculations here. So we're, you know, we can say I believe and I trust you and, and I know you wouldn't drop me and I know you wouldn't let me down and I know you wouldn't hurt me and I'm just still standing down here hearing you saying I know all these things but I ain't about to jump. I'm not about to jump. And so works took faith from some mental ascent, amen, to the arena of L-I-F-E, right dead in the middle of life. Faith takes us from the from the realm of mental ascent to the arena of life. I have to, I have to, pardon me, I have to put up or shut up. I've got to lay all the cards on the table now, amen. So I, I want to make a point here if I can. If Abraham had been unwilling to obey, then he would have demonstrated on the spot that his faith was not genuine. But by the same token, if Abraham had ventured out on this mission of offering his son without God's command to do so, just thinking if I, in some warped, twisted way, if I offer my son, this will garner me favor with God, then his works would have had no value at all. I'm not trying to sound barbaric, but I just want to underline something in your mind that, that if he had not moved, then he would have proved that his faith was valid. But if he had just done some weird leap of, uh, out here on his own thinking that if I just do this, I could get favor, God would really know I love him then, then his works would have been of no value. So neither genuine faith nor genuine works can work or exist without the other. We have to have them working together. Amen. If I'm just out here trying to do something to please God, I'm not trying to sound ridiculous, but if I'm just going to stand over here and stand up on my head, I'm just going to do that and make God happy. And if I did that and the Lord didn't tell me to do that, 
after a while, you're going to come pick me up off the ground. And what happened was very, very little bit more than foolishness. If I thought that I was going to impress God by just standing on my head. I need to move on. you got a far away look in your eyes here. So, amen. But together, it is together that they produce evidence. Our validation of faith. It's not just talking about it. And it's not just doing it outside of the will of God, but it is faith and works combined. Amen. That's not to say, that's not to say that salvation requires faith plus works. I think maybe a more accurate way of expressing this would be to say that works are the resulting outgrowth or response, the end result of genuine faith. When we have genuine faith, something is going to happen in our lives. There's going to be a response to the presence of the Lord. I said this Sunday morning, I believe it was, that, that there are many things that, uh, that started happening in our life after we repented of our sins and was baptized and received His Spirit. There were some things that started happening in our life as a result of the Word of God. Amen. There was just something about the Word of God alive and the work of God alive in our lives. No one maybe preached about some certain thing or taught about some certain thing, but the Spirit of the Lord just began to, just begin to, I said it this way Sunday, that what felt right yesterday doesn't feel right today. And what seemed okay the other day, just all of a sudden, it just, I don't know, I just, it just doesn't feel right. Amen. So works are going to be a result. Amen. An end result of genuine faith. Something is going to happen in your life. You can get married and get a wedding band that's so heavy you can't lift your hand without help. But that's not going to make you act like you're married. Amen. It's going to take something in your heart. Amen. I believe believe we can nail uh, a sign to our heart that says not for sale. Amen. This is not up for barter. I believe that there can be something in our life that just portrays I'm I'm in a relationship that's more important than anything that this world has to offer. Am I making any sense tonight? Amen. I believe that there is something in the heart of every child of God that ought to be saying, you know what, I live what I live and I am what I am because Calvary's cross redeemed me. His blood purchased me. Amen. I'm I'm a child of the Lord. I've been cleansed. I've been cleansed by His blood. I've been forgiven by His promise. And no, thank you. I am not interested. Not for sale. Not for barter. Amen. As Jesus pointed out on several occasions, He said the purpose, or He taught that the purpose of a plant or a, a tree was to grow and bear fruit, and that fruit is always going to represent the nature of the tree. Amen. If it's figs or olives or flowers or whatever the case may be, the fruit is always going to represent the nature of a tree. Even even if you don't know a whole lot about citrus trees, if you don't know how to separate them out one from the other just by the look or the shape of the tree or their leaf or whatever, you can always tell it by the fruit. And you said that right there, now that's a grapefruit tree. And I know that, not because I've been to college on that or taking classes online about that, but I know that because I see grapefruit hanging from its limbs. Amen. And I believe that the world ought to be able to say that right there, there's something different. That's a child of God. That is a Christian. Why? Because I don't know a whole lot about this. I don't know anything really about that theologically, but I can tell by the fruit that's hanging on their life. There's something different here. There's something powerfully different here. And so I appreciate that. Amen. And so consequently, Matthew 7, uh, 19 and 20 says, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Amen. Something that we should also understand is that bearing fruit is not a function that is added to the plant later in life. Nobody plants it, nurtures it, lets it get up, 
casting a little bit of its own shade, kind of filling its oats, and then somebody whispers in its ear, guess what? You got to produce. What? I thought that I was just going to be, no. Producing fruit is not a secret to the nature of the tree. Amen. It is a fundamental part of its design and its purpose. Bearing fruit is, is in the nature of the tree, never a surprise. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I understand my audience. I realize I'm not speaking to 12-year-olds tonight, but I just want to tell you that an apple tree's never looked out on the limb and saw a blossom and going, what in the world is that? That apple tree says, finally, I've gotten to the place that I can just do more than take up space, but I'm, I'm showing the world what I am. And I don't mean showmanship. I think you know what I'm trying to say tonight. There's something here that can differentiate me from every other tree in the garden, every other tree in the orchard, every other tree on the planet. Amen. There's something here that identifies me for who I am. And so even before it's planted, amen, the seed contains the genetic structure to reproduce its own kind of fruit. I, I read a statement many years ago. I know it's made its round many places on social media, a picture of an acorn, and in that acorn, uh, there's a little caption that says something like this, that in this acorn is everything this oak tree is ever going to need to sustain it, to hold it through every storm of life, to cause it to reproduce more acorns. Everything it ever is going to need is right here. The Lord's not going to have to come by later and say, i got to add a little more, i got to do this, i got to do that. Everything it needs. And can I tell you tonight that when we receive His Spirit, that everything we ever need to become anything that God wants us to be is already there. It's already there. I just want to make room for it to produce in my life. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And so, like a fruit tree would not be fulfilled until it bears fruit by the same token, faith has not reached its end until it demonstrates itself some way, somewhere, somehow in our life. And so it is it is to, in this sense, which Abraham uh, is justified by works. His unreserved willingness to sacrifice this son of promise becomes the works by which his faith was demonstrated and made manifest before men. In verse number 23, the Bible says, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed that's an important word. It was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Man, man, oh man. There is a lot right here. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to have the ushers give out some packs of crackers right now and some refreshments. And Amen. The scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and, and by his belief in God, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Amen. He was willing to do whatever God commanded him to do. I, I know I've mentioned this before, but my goodness, it just, it just burns in my heart. A few months ago um, now, I'm not sure how long ago now, but um, one, one of the most recent missionaries that we had um, was, I, I think, uh, 40 or somewhere in their, in their 40 or in their early 40s, and uh, you may remember uh, that he said that the Lord just laid on this heart. They've been pastoring, I think, 20 or 22 years. Uh, and, and the Lord laid on their heart this country that had never had, uh, had, never had an apostolic church. And so in, in their kind of wrestling with the Lord, I'm, I'm using my language here, of why, uh, why me? Why would you choose us? Why would, you, why would we uproot our lives and things of that nature? And the Lord just laid on his heart that he had, he had given that burden to many people, but he said, you're the only or the first person to say yes. You guys remember that? Oh my goodness! I was, I was sitting here on the platform and I heard him say that. I, I know he wasn't trying to shame anybody. I don't think that was the uh, goal of it all. But I just kind of felt like he just picked up the rug and swept me under. I felt like, oh my lord, amen. He didn't just hear the voice of God. You know, I couldn't carry the man's briefcase. I'm just being honest with you. He couldn't. 
He didn't just hear the voice of God. But he got up and he did something about that. Amen. Amen. It was counted unto him. By another translation of this, it was imputed unto him. Another translation said it was counted unto him as righteousness. This means that Abraham was counted as being fully righteous on the basis of his faith in God. Now this same faith is the faith that made him obedient to God. Now this doesn't mean, for clarity's sake, this doesn't mean that Abraham was actually made righteous at this moment. He was imputed or counted, considered righteous, accredited, we may use that term, or endorsed, we may understand that term. To be righteous means to be completely right. So that's a big word, a big word to say completely right, completely right. And so if believers were actually made completely righteous, then it would mean that the nature of sin in our lives has been completely eradicated. Amen. Please stay with me now. And so we've, so this is, doesn't mean that Abraham was made righteous at that moment, but he was just endorsed as righteous, or he was counted as righteous. Amen. Full righteousness is not going to happen until the resurrection. Hallelujah. Until that time, until that time that we are made fully righteous, amen, you and I as believers are progressively becoming, or we should be as believers, progressively becoming more righteous every day of our life. Amen. Just like we're growing as a child grows, we cannot measure it every day. I know some parents kind of, uh, or at least used to, stand their children up against a door jam somewhere and mark their growth and mark their, and you can't do that every day. You wouldn't be able to see it, but we know that they're growing every day. Amen. And so I say today, God, help us to grow. Help me. Help me and help us as a church to have this heartbeat that every day of my life I want to grow to be more right. Not less. I want to grow to be more righteous. Amen. Progressively. You may not be able to measure incrementally and see any difference between me today than Sunday or last Wednesday or last Sunday. But I pray that there is an eye and a hand and a God that can see some things in my life. Amen. That I prayed again and said, Lord, I want you to forgive me and I want you to deliver me and I want you to mold me and I want you to make me. I want to make that journey of Jeremiah 18 back to the potter's wheel I want to plant myself I want to plant myself on that wheel and look at the hand and the eyes of the potter and say go ahead Lord and work some of these and massage some of these mars out of my life I don't have it all together but I want to be reaching every day and praying and striving every day Amen, amen. And so righteousness this is an ongoing process the word is sanctification Amen, we are working at sanctification, not holier than thou, not better than anybody, not up here looking down, no, no, no. But I'm gonna tell you, I I saw, reposted this, maybe I saw some of you had liked it or maybe even commented on it, but someone posted the other day that you can't be in the world and win people out of the world. You can't be in the mess and pull people out of the mess. You gotta get out of the mess yourself. Amen, you gotta get on the shore yourself. You've gotta get to safety yourself. Praise God. The lighthouse never says, look at me and who I am and what I do, but aren't you thankful there is a lighthouse that when the ship is in the storm and toss and the storm has come in and we can't see up from down and tell left from right and east from west but there's somebody on the shore can I tell you tonight that somebody's looking at your life and somebody's looking at my life and they're saying I hadn't got it all together yet but I want what they have I want to get where they are and so that's why I'm going to stand behind this desk one more time and say hold on church don't give in and don't give up because they need, there's a world out there that needs you on the shore. We need to be able to pull them to where we are. Praise God and hear me today. We are only where we are by the grace of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost.
Praise God. And so the blood of the Lord covers us and we're counted righteous. Even though this flawed carnal flesh with its sinful nature, it's not righteous. But the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed, counted to us as believers. In the same way the sins of humanity were imputed on Jesus Christ. I don't want to just belabor the point, but on the cross, Jesus did not become a sinner. But rather, our sins were placed on his account. Amen. There was a legal heavenly transition transaction that took place here. Our sins were laid to his account. Verse 23 concludes with an incredible statement. Due to Abraham's faith and obedience, faith and works, due to his faith and obedience, he was called the friend of God. What an honor. Because his faith was genuine and because it was manifested and proven, he entered into this wonderful fellowship, amen, that God called Some may have to call us by our title because it's required of them. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's my aunt. That's my uncle. That's my cousin. We can be all those things and not their friend. But he called us friend. Verse 24. You see then how that works, how that by works a man is justified not by faith only. You see then, he says, tying all these scriptures together, James making a point, knowing his audience. He says, you see then that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So James points out that the right standing with God does not have to do only with what somebody believes but it also has to do with what someone does as a result of that belief some people believe it's the right thing to live right they just don't do it some people believe it's wrong to steal but they, but they still justify it somehow in their mind but if you were to hem them up in a the corner they would tell you they know it's morally wrong Amen. And so I think that there should be something as a result of what we say we believe. And so what a person does, I believe, verifies our claim to faith. As I stated Sunday, because I was reading about Paul, and and, and I said this Sunday that Paul and, and James agreed that genuine faith is going to result in works. I said Sunday that James and Paul were not standing, back, were not standing face-to-face in opposition but they were standing back to back fighting the same opponent. Amen. Because Paul was, was, was saying that, uh, that you just cannot, it just cannot be works, 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 works. It just can't, you just can't do that because that's going to lead to legalism. That's going to lead to self-righteousness. And that's what Paul was, divide, was fighting or facing. And so he was preaching about this from that angle. But James is... He's got a completely different audience. He's got a, an audience of easy believism. And so James is saying, you can't just be saved just by your faith. You've got to have some works to go. And so Paul and James are not disputing one another. They are together in this because they are addressing both sides of this issue. And so salvation is completely by grace through faith. It doesn't spring from within us. It's a gift of God. Therefore, by definition, a gift is free. And so salvation is not a reward that God gives us for religious activity. Amen. That's not what We're not saved because we've been religiously active. If it were, then we would start boasting. That's what Paul said, lest any man should boast. Look what I've done. Look at me. And then somebody else would say, look at me. And somebody else would say, if you think that's something, look at me. And we'd all keep climbing over the top of everybody's head. Amen. Salvation then would no longer be a gift, but it would be a payment for services rendered. (laughs) Amen. Yes, it would. Salvation is not a result of some work we do. 
It is the work of God. And so the bottom line is that if our salvation is genuine, we will do right things. Amen. James 2 and 25. We can see the end. James 2 and 25, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Well, James has their undivided attention because he went (laughs) from the patriarch, Abraham. Just when he has them right where he wants them, he reaches down in the garbage can over here and pulls out Rahab. They don't know what to do with this guy. Somebody's saying, who let him have a pen? Who taught him how to write? He has them spellbound. Amen. God certainly must have had a great reason to inspire James to offer these two examples. Amen. As justification by works. Why did he choose this contrasting couple? (laughs) Abraham and Rahab. There couldn't be no one more unlike Abraham. Here's the chief patriarch, the father of the Hebrew nation. Rahab over here, the prostitute. Abraham was moral. She was immoral. Abraham is at the top of the social and economic ladder, and she's at the complete other end of that. Rahab the harlot, however, is listed along with Abraham in this great, great gallery called the faithful in Hebrews 11. And we must not ever forget that. As a matter of fact, she is even in the human lineage of Jesus Christ being the great, great grandmother of King David himself. And so according to Joshua chapter 2, Rahab was this innkeeper in Jericho. And so when Joshua sent in the two spies to spy the city out, her in was in a logical place. Some people say, what in the world were two men of God doing at the harlot's house? You can be honest with me. You've thought about that at some point maybe. You're thinking about it now if you haven't. Why would they, Why would these two godly men be at the harlot's house? Well, I will answer you that simply because it was the most logical place to go because her lodging place was in the city wall. And so that kept them from having to go into the city. Amen. So they, they went into the city wall. And that, that they didn't have to venture too far into enemy territory. And so when the king of Jericho heard that they were there, he sent officials to Rahab's house. Most of you know the story, but bear with me tonight. Amen. She, when they asked, are they here? She falsely reported that they are already gone. As a matter of fact, they went that way. And you probably, if you hurry, you can probably catch them. That was a little bit me, but you know what I'm saying. I'm still in the scripture. When in fact she had hidden these men on her roof after they left, Rahab acknowledged that the God of Israel was the one true Lord. Amen. Here's a woman who has nothing going for her. But she said, we have heard. (laughs) We have heard of the things that your God is doing. And she believed. She absolutely believed. Amen. She acknowledged that the God of Israel was the one true Lord. And by her actions. Amen. Can you say that with me? Her actions. And by her actions, she demonstrated that she didn't just believe that, but she trusted him. Amen. Her outward faithfulness manifested what was on the inside of her heart. Her outward actions manifested the faith that was in her heart. She could have lost her life for this. Amen. This was no game. This was no game. Amen. But she said, we've heard. And I have a revelation of that he is the God of, of Jehovah, the true Lord. Amen. She had genuine faith. And this faith in her heart demonstrated itself at the risk of hiding these Israelite spies. These two examples, Abraham and Rahab, I believe present opposite extremes of human experiences. Amen. Obviously we can see that. To use Abraham and to use Rahab as examples, that would just be like me getting up and saying, everybody from A to Z, they got it. When James said Abraham and Rahab, they got it. They understood completely well what James was trying to say. Amen, everyone. Rahab's case was also different from Abraham's in another way. 
Because, hear me now, Abraham received a direct command from the Lord. Take your son, your only son who you love, go to a place that I will tell thee of. Three days later, he looks up, sees a place afar off, that's it. He, he is doing what he's doing because the Lord spoke from heaven and said, Abraham, I wish I could do the Lord's voice right now. Give me a little effects back there. I could probably pull it off. Amen. Abraham, Abraham, and here he is. And he is doing what he's doing because the Lord told him to do it. But on the other hand, Rahab never received a command from the God from God to hide these men. The Lord never said, now Rahab, I got two men coming and you need to hide them. There's no instructions for Rahab like there were for uh, for Abraham, but she did because what she did, you know what? Because it was the right thing to do under the circumstances. Amen. She lied. Amen. I understand she had more going on in her life than lying, but she said, I'm going to do what's right under the circumstances. I believe what's in our heart is going to manifest itself. Amen. The word world is going to be able to see under the circumstances, amen, of all this darkness around me, I'm going to still sing this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, I'm not going to hide it under a bushel, I'm not going to let Satan blow it out, I'm not going to let the world intimidate it, I'm going to say, Lord, help me to hold on to the faith that was once delivered to the saint, the faith that you put in my heart, help me to hold on to that, praise God, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Musicians, if you'll come. Amen. That'll, that'll help everybody. Praise the Lord. She did what she did because it was the right thing. This proves at least two things. That genuine faith will express itself in obedience to the clear command of God. Real faith is going to express itself in obedience. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody here ever felt led just in the course of your day to pray? I know there's been times that all of us have missed that. I get it. We've all missed that. We've all pushed through that. But there have been times that the Lord just impressed on us that we need to pray, and we need to pray right now. And the faith in our heart, without knowing whatever was going on, pressed us to an altar of prayer. Amen. Genuine faith expresses itself. Also, genuine faith is going to help us Make decisions on a day-to-day basis that honors God. We don't always have a handbook with us. God doesn't always speak audibly like he did to Abraham. Sometimes he just presents a situation like he did to Rahab, and we've got to figure out what's a godly thing to do right here. Amen? I feel in my heart what I'm saying tonight. I mean, it's just day-to-day life. We don't have a manual. We don't have a how-to. We don't, we, 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 maybe nobody's ever been really faced with the exact scenario that we're looking at right here. We've got to make a snap decision. What are we going to do? God, help me to do something. Let me respond to this in a way that will honor you. Amen. Let's stand. Can't we do that? James uses Abraham and Rahab brilliantly. And I think when he does so, he covers Every possible scenario. What 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 Abraham, what rather James is really trying to do is he's trying to set Abraham over here. This is an example of our patriarch and Rahab over here, who's the example of someone you would never think worthy to be. And he said, in all points in between. All points in between. And so with these two examples from the polar opposite ends of human experience, there's no real legitimate way that any man could dispute the evidence that that real faith has taken on a tangible form. Real faith. Real faith caused Abraham to start marching up a mountain where he had never been. Real faith. Real faith put an answer in Abraham's heart and mouth when he had to be in his flesh somewhat confused. When Abraham said, Dad, I mean, when Isaac said, Dad, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice? It wasn't enough that God made him walk up that mountain, but now God's going to make him answer a question.
say, God will provide a lamp. That same faith that caused him to walk up a mountain was the same faith that, and I use this word intentionally, spontaneously moved in the heart of Rahab when she heard the footsteps of the guards coming. Quick, 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 guys. Lay down up here. Cover up here. Cover up here. She ran back down with a ready story. They went that way. Hurry, 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 hurry. That same faith caused them to move. Something didn't change. One more verse. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so also so faith without works is also dead also. So James wraps all of this up with a dramatic example of the lifelessness of faith without works. And I take you now all the way back to the book of Genesis to the very beginning in creation that when God created Adam, he did not become a living soul until God breathed into his nostrils. Amen. And so like the human body is lifeless without the spirit, so faith without works is dead. Some in this building heard what I'm saying in Sunday school. Amen. All our life, Sister Donna, all our life. We had parents and grandparents and Sunday school teachers saying, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Almost becomes a nursery rhyme in our mind until life comes at us. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray right here. Can we do that? Lord, I love you today. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God, I feel you in this house. My God, I feel you in this house. Oh, we just step out of our seats and come down to the front let's let's entertain what we're feeling here before we call this a night shall we amen let's just magnify the Lord in this place together I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I believe we ought to respond to this church amen I'm not asking you to respond to my preaching or teaching I'm asking you to respond to the word of the Lord This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.